the second line of the page. So the Gemara says that uh, before we discuss the concept of sending a fire with a with a with a, a the Gemara just has a quick point. Um, apparently, there were two different ways to say the word to the word blow. The word blow. Some people would use the word liba with a lamid, and some say would use the uh, some some amiroyim and tanoyim would use the terminology niba with a nud nun. And the Gemara is going to say both have biblical sources to imply blowing or movement. The Gemara says, If you use, if you, in the Mishnah, the, the Mishnah talked about someone blowing on the fire, like making it bigger and making it able to go. He's responsible. So some Tanoim use the Liba uh, with a Lamed. And loy they're not wrong. There is biblical sources for that word. Mandatani niba loy and some use a nun. Also, okay. Mandatani liba loy The makar for a lamid is dechsev balabas esh, a flame of fire. So you see the word lahavas lamid regarding fire. Mandatani niba loy and the one who says nun is also okay. Dechsev boyre niv sefasayim. The movement of the speech. So the same way the you know movement. So it's fanning flames. Nun. Okay. Okay. Now the Gemara says, Let's say I fan a fire, and at the exact same time, the wind blows. And then the fire goes. So the question is, am I responsible? Do we say that it was my blowing that made the fire go, or was it the wind? So the Gemara says, If let's say you blew, and your blowing was so strong, that even had you deducted the wind, it would have still gone, Mamish gave a very strong blow, then Yechayev. But if your blow on its own, it's like Zev like if your blow on its own could not have done it, and the wind is really the one that finished it, then you're Potter, because it's the wind that did it. Meaning, for you to be Chayev, it has to be you did it entirely yourself. But if you did it, and then the wind finished it, or the wind, you know, did the majority of it, then you're Potter. The Gemara is a Kasha. The Kasha is that we know when it comes to Shabbos, one of the Malachas is Zaira, which is winnowing. Winnowing is separating the wheat from the chaff. The way they would do it is you throw up the, the, the wheat in the air, and the wind blows it. So what do you say? You didn't do a biadayim. What's the answer? The ruach misayasai, the wind helps you, and it's considered a malacha, a malacha on Shabbos. It's considered your action. So how come if I blow and my wind is not strong enough to make the fire go, and then the wind does it, I'm potter, the exact same thing when it comes to Shabbos, instead of fire going, it was separating the chaff, you'd be chayv. So you should be always chayv, as long as you're involved, the same way on Shabbos. You throw it up in the air, and the wind does the rest. That's considered enough to be v'chayiv. So shouldn't that be the same thing over here? I start the blowing. You're right. My blowing on its own cannot separate it. The same way me throwing up the wheat in the air also doesn't separate the chaff. But the ruach finishes it, but it's finishing my action. So why don't you say the same thing? Should be chayiv over here also. The Gemara says, Am I, why are you potter if you blew, but not strong enough to make the fire go entirely? And then the wind did the rest. Why are you potter? It should be lahave bezayr v'ruach masiyasay. How is it different than winnowing? So the Gemara gives a couple answers. First couple answers are that we're not talking about a case we thought. We, we, we thought the case was where I started... I don't know, let's say it was like a, like a, like in a cartoon game, like you see where like you have to blow it like till the red gets to the end for it to make the fire go. So I did like a four, and then the wind did four to ten. The Lord says that's not the case, because talk in that case, you did something, and then the wind finished it. The case is where the wind, where your actions are insignificant. How so? The Gemara gives a couple answers. Here's the case. I'm blowing in the direction of north, and the wind is blowing in the direction of south. So the wind, it's not like 
me and the wind are going together. The wind is completely undoing what I did. My action did nothing. I blow it this way and the wind blows it that way. And then the fire goes that way. So my action, so it's not like what we thought, which is I'm doing partially, the wind is doing the rest. No, the wind is like, is like disagreeing with me. It's overruling me. That's why it's completely what I did is insignificant. A couple other answers of insignificance. Rav and Shaliba Baruch Metsuya. The case is where I blew a Ruach Metsuya, which is a regular wind, but the fire will not go with a regular wind, and then a hurricane wind completely blew it out the water. And, then, and it only traveled because of the hurricane wind. So it's not like, you know, with Zaira on Shabbos, Amelie's doing something, and it's doing the rest. This is compared to me little... And then a hurricane comes in. It's well, nothing. Like it completely rendered my action completely insignificant. Or the third answer is Rav Zera says you're not even blowing. You know when you're uh, like like when it's outside when you're like uh, you want to see if you have breath. Like in the, that's what you did. It's not like you like you blew with mamish. You actually did something. The case is where you're standing by the fire. You did, like you're just breathing a little bit, and then the wind takes it. So, that's the point. It's not. That's the point. The cases where you're not really leaving. That's the point. It's it's redefining the case as you really didn't blow on it. And the fourth answer is actually very interesting. I'm sure it'll be you know if you're learning Hilchah Shab, it's very interesting. I'll read you the words and I'll tell you what I think it means. Ravashi Amar Ravashi says your whole premise that you could learn from winnowing that if you start something and then the wind finishes you should be chayiv. It's not true. The truth is that's a grama. On Shabbos it's a grama. This concept of winnowing, that the fact that you start something and then the wind takes it, that it's significant, that's only true for Shabbos. It's only true for, for Shabbos. Why? Because the Torah offers um, thoughtful actions. But, meaning, it's really a grama. And grama by Nezikin is potter. But by Shabbos it's chayef. Now let me explain. Although Shabbos, I'm thinking about this. Meaning he's saying like this. Your whole assumption that you can learn out from winnowing that like it's a rule. It's not true. Winnowing is the exception. Because Shabbos is, is the exception. Normally that action is considered a grum and it's potter. But by Shabbos it's chayef. Why? So even though on Shabbos grum is also potter. I think the cheshben is that on Shabbos the Torah does not want significant, um, uh, significant results to take place. It doesn't want changes to take place. This is a change. And that's the most common way to do it. Meaning, the common way to winnow is use the wind. You don't do it by your hand, that's how it's done. But it's still considered an indirect action. Meaning, it's not considered a maise be a daim for the laws of Shabbos. It's considered a, it's not considered a maise daim for the laws of Hezek, because it's actually a grama. It's just Shabbos, this is what the Torah asked. The Torah asked, didn't, didn't ask her in Shabbos every maise. The Torah asked actions that create results. This is an action that creates results. That's the normal way of doing it? Correct. So it's, you have to say that there's some distinction between Shabbos, meaning it's a grama, so therefore it's really part of Nezikin, but it's Chayv on Shabbos. Even though Shabbos is also part of grama, the answer is, it's, it's not that it's... The Torah, this is how the Torah answered. This is when the Torah answered Shabbos, it had this in mind. The yeah, that's what you have to say. But let me ask you, uh, by uh, Zora yeah. and uh, winnowing, if there's yeah. no wind, totally. you would actually be or is it just a gravity? No, you'd be nothing would happen. It would just, you throw it up and it'd come down. The whole Indian is that you throw it up and then the wind blows the chaff away. Yeah, if there'd be no wind, it'd be potter. Nothing. No chiv at all. Okay, Mishnah. Hashalech What are you doing, Shabbos morning? Hashalech if you send a fire, let's say I make a fire, I make a fire and it goes, it destroys wood, it burns stones, it singes the ground, 
חייב, יחייב. שנאמר, כי סייצי איש ומצא קויסים ונכל קדיש, וכמה יסוד ישר משם מה וסבר. The passage says you make a fire, and it consumes thorns, grain, standing grain, or a field. That's what it means, all these things. Now the Gemara is going to try to be bothered by, why do you need all four? Why does the passage have to describe that it burns thorns, it burns stacks of grain, standing grain, and the field itself? Well, first of all, why do you need all four? Just say it burns. I don't know. It consumes things. So the Gemara says, Amarava, lovely dekas of Rachmana. Why does the pasuk have to specify kaitzim gedish and kama visada? Why does the pasuk have to say that I'm chayiv for burning grain, uh, thorns, stacks of grain, standing grain, and the field? I'll tell you why. Suichin, ikas rachmana kaitzim. If the pasuk just said I'm chayiv for burning down thorns, I would say have a min kaitzim who dechayiv rachmana mishum dechshchiach iishkabeu. Apparently, thorns get burn a lot. Because think about it, there are, thorns are usually in a very hot climate. There are fires. You don't put out the fire by the thorns because the thorns are very cheap. So it's very common for thorns to burn. So if the Pasuk says, Yechayef for burning down thorns, you say, yeah, because burns, thorns burn all the time. That's on you. It, it, it's like a catalyst. Correct, and it's very, and it's very common. But when it comes to stacks of grain, stacks of grain you do not want burning. You do your best to put it out. So maybe if a taka burns, you could say, well, that's such a rare occurrence that, that, the Torah says, don't, don't worry about it. Maybe you're not responsible. Now, if the Pasuk had said that you're only chayev for stacks of grain, you say, yeah, stacks of grain, you're chayev, because it's very, very expensive. But thorns, which are very cheap, maybe you don't have to pay. Okay. So that's why you need thorns, and that's why you need stacks of grain. Now let's go to the next one. Standing grain. Why does the Pesach have to say that? So, this is the source that we've had many times, that if there is something covered by the grain, you're putter. Why? Because the Pesach says, which is standing grain. Standing grain you could see, which excludes anything that's hidden under the grain itself. Oh, now according to Rav Yehuda, we've had many times that Rav Yehuda's shita is that he's mechayiv on things that are covered by grain. Rav Yehuda holds that he's chayiv. He holds your chayiv for something hidden. So what does he do with the word kama? It's to include animals. Animals that stand up. Meaning, if you burn down a field, and an animal's in the field, and it gets caught, you have to pay for it. Meaning, I guess you don't say the animal could have run away. It's, it's chayiv for that. Okay. For Rabbanon, and the Rabbanon who use kama to exclude anything hidden, how do they know that you're chayef for animals that are caught in the fire? Oh, Rav Yehuda, who, what does he do with the word oi? He uses oi to tell you that you don't have to burn down all of them. Because the Pasuk says you burn down thorns, stacks of grain, standing grain in the field. Maybe you have to burn all of them to be mechayef. No, oi is lechalik. Just one is enough. The Rabbanon, how do they know? Lechalik menaleh. Oy hasada, from the extra oy by hasada. And Rav Yehuda, what does he do with oy hasada? He says, He says the second oy is just for context, it's just for diktok, it's not actually there to teach you anything, because it says oy hakama, it says oy hasada. Now here's a kasha. So we have the Pasuk asserd thorns, the Pasuk you have to pay for thorns, stacks of grain, and standing grain. And then the Pasuk says a field. Let me ask you a question. If the field is the dirt, just write the field. Everything else is included in it. If you're chayef for burning down dirt, you're definitely chayef for thorns, you're definitely chayef for grain, for standing grain, and animals, all these things. So the Gemara says, What's sada? That's if it burns down, if it singes the ground, or if it singes stone, you know. 
just write soda. If I'm chayev for that, I'm chayev for grain. The answer is, it's like this a lot. You only know that that's what soda means because you have the other ones. Meaning, what does soda mean? It means burning the ground. Oh, if it means burning the ground, what do you need the other ones? How do you think I know that soda means burning the grounds? Because we've already said thorns, we've already said grain, we've already said it. Meaning, if you didn't have all those, I would say soda is grain. I only know that Sada is burning the actual ground itself because we've already listed thorns, stacked of grain, standing grain, animals. So it's not, you can't ask Akasha like, oh, just write Sada and I don't need the rest. You only know what Sada means because of the rest. So the Gemara says, Meaning I wouldn't have thought it meant the ground itself. It's now that I have the other ones and now I have Sada. That's what the Sada means. Okay, fine. Shtikla Gadita. Amarav. Only uh, evil only comes to the world if there are Rishayim in the world. Rishayim brings down judgment, but But when there's real, real punishment coming to the world, it first goes to the Tzadikim, and then it goes to the Rishayim. The Gemara is going to explain why in a moment. The sources this is, is the Shanema, The Apostle says there's a fire. Fire means destruction. And the Apostle says the fire, fire th- finds thorns. Thorns are Rishayim. But what does the Pasuk say? It ate the grain, meaning the grain is eaten first, and then it gets to the thorn. The grain are tzaddikim. So there is a fire, there is a fire because there's thorns. The Rishon bring down the fire. But once there's a fire, it goes to the stacks of grain first, then it gets to the thorns. It goes to the tzaddikim, and then goes to the Rishon. So the Gemara says, There's only a fire when there's thorns, which is again Rishon. But the fire first attacks the, the tzaddikim, which are the stacks of grain, shenemar, v'nechol gadish. The Pasuk says the fire consumes the grain. V'ochol gadish lenemar. It doesn't say it will consume. V'nechol kvar. It goes to the stacks of grain first, then it gets to the thorns. Now the Gemara says, Tani Rav Yosef, what does it mean? In the Pasuk it says, Ba'makas Bechoyeris, Va'atam lo'teitzu ish me'pesach be'isayad bo'ike. Right, don't leave your house. The question is, why can't they leave the house of the Jews? What's the concern? It's the famous Gemara. The Gemara says, Kivan shenitna rishos lamashchis, Eina imavchen bein tzadikim v'shon. Once you find yourself in a matziv of din, then even tzadikim can be caught up in it. Why? Because no one can stand the judgment of din. And once din is in the world, then you've got to be very careful. The Gemara says, Not only that, when there's din, sometimes I go to Sadiqim first. Sadiq and then before Russia. Uh, how you reconcile this with the, also the notion that every bullet has an address? I don't know. But the point is, let's go weiter. Bachir Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef used to cry, Kuli Hainami Lindoyman. Why would the Sadiqim go first? Well, they're nothing. Why would you go to Sadiqim first? The answer is, Amr Le'abaya, Tivusi Le'abaya. It's a good thing for the Sadiqim. Kidichsev Kipnei Hara, Nesav HaTzadik. Sometimes Hashem pulls Sadiqim away so they don't have to see what's coming. So sometimes when really bad things are happening, it's a very famous Maisa. The, the Maisa goes that, um, uh, that when the Chazanish heard right before, I think it was 1938, uh, 37, I don't know exactly the right year, but um, I'm sure someone who's watching will send me the exact year. But right before the war, Baruch Ber of Chaim Eiser passed away, and then Rav Shimon passed away, Rav Shimon Shkab. And supposedly when Chazanish heard that Rishim passed away, he says, now there's nothing stopping. <coughs> now, like, that was it, like the floodgates are open. And the Cheshman would be, is that HaKadosh Baruch who pulls Sadiq Moise, they don't sometimes see right before the war. It was 37, like right before the, the World War II. Right before like the real Holocaust stuff. The Gemara continues. Oh, I, I don't. No, It means that Midas Adin. No, it means Midas Adin. Meaning, Rav Akiva died with Midas Adin. Midas Adin 
Midas Adin would take down everybody. It's not, meaning even Sadiqim can't handle Midas Adin. Just normally Midas Adin is not Shailat. But once Midas Adin is, is Shaira, once Midas Adin is Shaira, then it's Medaktik Sadiqim Mechut Asaira. The Gemara continues, Amra Vidam Rav, go to the next page. Like a little advice. danger. Enter a city at night, during the day and leave. Meaning, end your journeys during the day and start your journeys during the day. Why? Because you don't want to be traveling at night. Traveling at night is dangerous. So if you want to enter a new city and you don't know who you are, you don't know the people, enter during the day, it's less dangerous. And if you're leaving, don't leave at night. Leave during the day. Right? That don't leave the house at night. That was that was the advice. The Gemara continues. Now this next Gemara was very common. This is like the theme in 2020. Everybody quoted this Gemara in 2020. Stay indoors to 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 uh, mask up. Like if, if if Fauci knew this Gemara, he'd be quoting it everything. Tanarabana, Dever Beir. When there's a plague in the city, stay inside to avoid spreading, uh, to avoid the spread, the, the curve, the spread, or curve the stop the curve, whatever it was. Flatten the curve. Flatten the that, that's the pasuk. Don't leave the house at night because it was it was makas b'chayis, but it was like a it was like a magefa. Va'oimer, and there's another pasuk. This other pasuk says a similar theme is in Yeshaya. Leichami ba bechaderecha. Go inside your room. Uskar delasecha badecha and close the door behind you. Va'oimer, and another pasuk in Devarim. Mechutz tishakel cherev. Outside there's a sword. Mechaderim eima. But indoors there's just fear, but there's no sword. So stay indoors. My va'oimer. What does it mean, Vaimer? Why do I need a second Pasuk to tell me to stay inside? Because the first Pasuk said stay inside by Makas Bukharis at night. So if that's the Pasuk, then I could leave during a Magaifa during the day. That's what the second pasuk says. Don't even do, leave during the day. What do I need a third pasuk? What if staying indoors is stressful and it's fearful? And, and, and for your mental health, you need to leave. The second passage just says stay indoors. But what if staying indoors, maybe the second passage is only referring to staying indoors when it's pleasant. But what if staying indoors, it creates dread. Mm-hmm. It would be better to be around people. The third passage, there's fear inside. I didn't experience that. I don't. Th- I, I, I don't think I've ever lived my best life than during the, during March of 2020. I'm more having dread leaving the home. But carry on. The last, the last piece will be here. Which one? The, the third pasuk. The third pasuk is saying, "Stay indoors, even if there's dread." Meaning, even if there's dread, stay indoors. Rava would seal the windows during a plague. Because that's where the death comes in. If there's a famine in the city, then you got to go. You got to start walking. You got to like, uh, like uh, look for food. That's not a time to stay inside. That's by a plague. When there's a famine, you got to go get the food. There was a famine. Another pasuk. This third, the second pasuk is a pasuk in Malachim that the pasuk says that um, uh, there were the four people, they're Mitzrayim, and then they, they didn't have any food, and they said, There's a famine in the city, we're going to die here, we got to go. 
So you see, you gotta go. So the first pasuk, what was the first pasuk with Avram? Why was it no good? Why is that not a good source? When is the second one? My boymer. The chite mahani milehecha deleka savin nefashas. Avalecha deleka savin nefashas lai. Tashema luchuvenaflu amachane aram im yechunyu yichyu. The problem with the first pasuk with Avram Avinu is that maybe um, you only go as hani milehecha deleka savin nefashas. Meaning, that's only Avram Avinu. It was safe in Mitzrayim. At the time, maybe it was safer than Eretz Yisrael. It was conceptually safe. But what if going to that second place is also dangerous? That's the second pasuk that says, no, you go. Even if it's, the second pasuk says, they says, They said, let's go to the Machne Aram. If we live, if we live, we live. If not, not. Meaning, the yeah, at least there's a chance. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there was a chance. If there's a plague in the city, it's a similar theme that we had before, that when there's a Magaifa, when there's Midas Adin Shaira, then, then, then the Malcham is much more comfortable. So during a plague, don't walk in the middle of the road. Because the Malcham just walks in the middle, meaning there's a certain confidence that the Malcham has. So you have to be careful. The Kivan because once the Malcham Avis is given authority to kill, he walks openly. But when there's a peace in the city, then then walk in the middle. Then don't walk on the side. Because the Malcham Avis doesn't have permission. Ah, this doesn't mean literal. The Malcham Avis doesn't have permission, he's hanging on the side. If there's a plague in the city, don't go to Shul alone. I don't know, that was interesting. Yeah. Malcham Avis leaves his kalim there. Do not enter a shul alone during a plague. So you have to tunnel under into the shul. But that's only true if there's uh, young children aren't learning there. If there's no minion. Meaning if there's a constant minion there, then you can go there alone, even when there's no minion, because then, then the shul is not uh, abandoned. Tanrabanon. I actually think the pshat is probably that if you have a shul that's abandoned during a Magaifa, it creates more of Midasadin. They have a makam tefillah, like abandoned. It's, it's, it's more uh, upsetting, and the Malcham Avis hangs out there more. It was an so you can't go. Correct. I actually don't know if that ever happened up to 2020, to be honest with you. I think they always went to shul. Like the Rukhivega, the famous Rukhivega, everyone always points to when they had uh, whatever type of whatever it was. They went to shul, they just had like. Minyanim that were rotating. I, the actual full lockdown, I think 2020 was like a very, a very unique. The Holocaust had it. The Holocaust, but that wasn't per plague. But there, there was a very, very unique uh, situation. If you hear dogs howling, that's a sign that the Malachamavis is in the city. If they're laughing, if dogs are happy dogs for no reason, it's a sign of But says the Gemara, it's only true if there's no female dog around them. If there's a female dog around them, they're acting crazy because of the female. But if there's no female dog around them, all of a sudden they're just going nuts, it's either Malachamavis, Eliyahanavi. Okay. Yasser of Ami, Ravasi, Kamedir Visrach It's an interesting story. Ravami and Ravasi were sitting in front of Yitzchak Navcha, and they were arguing about what to learn. Mar Omar Le One person, Rav Yitzchak Navcha, said, "I want to learn halacha." Umar Omar Le, and Rav, and one said to Rav Yitzchak Navcha, "Le So Ravami and Ravasi arguing. One wants halacha, and one wants uh, agadita gemaras. So here's the problem. Pasach Le Every time he started agadita, the other one stopped him. Pasach This one, then he started halacha. Stopped them. So they, they were just locking each other. They were constantly like not getting anywhere. 
So M Shulcha Marshal. So Yitzchak and Avchah said, "I'll give you a Marshal." Lamad David Daimer. Lo Adam Sheish Lishtein Nashim. It's a good Marshal. A guy is married to two wives. Echad Yolad Avchah Zakena. One's young and one's old. Yolad Em Lakadez Levaris. The young one pulls out the white hairs because she wants him to just have black hairs. Zakena like hair. Zakena like this. Zacharis. The young, the, the the old wife plucks out the black hairs because she wants white hairs like him. And what happens? He's bald. So meaning, you're stopping me from Malachi, you're stopping me from Magad. Uh, I'm in, the, in here, no, we got nothing. So the Gemara says, Nim tzikarach, mekana mekana. No good. So I'm going to So Yitzhak Nafka said, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to tell you a, a, a Pasuk. I'm going to darshan it, Halacha and Agadita. Okay. What's the Halacha and the Agadita? The Pasuk says like this, Ki seitzei eish umotzakaitzim. Ki seitzei eish umotzakaitzim. The Pasuk says, when a file go forth and, and spreads and finds thorns. Now, ki seitzei, apparently, seitzei implies me'atzma. It goes out on its own. Meaning, it implies just like a natural fire, like a lightning storm. But then the Pasuk says, Shalmi The Pasuk ends off that the one who spreads it has to pay. So is there is there is the fire spread or not? Is it on its own or not? So this indicates, this is how Rashi explains this. Indicates that you have a situation where the person started the fire, but the one who and then the one who spread it was like separate. Like there's the, the, the one who started it and the one who spread it are sort of separate. This is a remez to Klal Yisrael during the Khurban. During the Khurban, the fire was started because of us. But it was spread forth by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So the Gemara says, Amr HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Hashem says like this, Although the fire sort of just started on its own, meaning from Hashem's perspective, it started on its own, because it was due to our sins, but He is still going to pay. He says, I will pay for the fire that I spread. I lit a fire in Sion. And I will rebuild Sion with fire. That is the halacha. What's the agadata? What's the, that's, what's, that's the agadata? What's the halacha? The begins by describing Nizke Mamin. Right, that it says that the fire goes forth, which again, um, yeah, the pasuk implies that you made the fire in your backyard. It wasn't like on purpose that the fire started. It's nizke mamin. It's like your property, like a shard that starts in your back door and it goes. But then the pasuk says, then ends nizke gufoy. The pasuk ends with nizke gufoy because the pasuk says hamavir is So did you start it in order to inflict it or not? What's the answer? This tells you that it's Yishai Mishum Chatzir. That you started it, Taka, as your own thing. But once it goes, it's Mishum Chatzir. It's like shooting a fire. Yishai Mishum Chatzir. That's the Gemara that says, I'll read how Rashi says. It's interesting. Yishai Mishum Chatzir. Rashi says like this. Yishai Mishum Mishum Chatzir. Kezari Chait Shemazak Lamerchak. The Iu Gufei Ovid. Hachanami Iu Gufei Ovid. Okay, meaning... The pasuk akasa benizke shehizik memayne the sukhi seitz eish matzvah atzvah shehidluk gadol shalei v'halcha v'dalka matosh chavera b'sam nizguvet. Meaning the pasuk implies that you started it. It sort of you started it not in order to go, but then you sort of sent it forth. So it's not isha mishum memayne that implies that it's an ashar ashar I didn't send forth. It goes on its own. This implies that I sent the fire forth. So that's isha mishum chazir. Why would you see the option that you sent it from the pasuk? Because hamavir esabera the one who sent the fire. Since you're considered the one sending the fire, not the shepherd. Correct. Well, this is the halachic part. Huh? 
He knew his crowd. You gotta, listen, you gotta, you gotta give the people what give the people what they want. Okay. Now let me just explain a little bit of a background of the next Gemara. It's a Gadata also, but let me explain a little bit of a background. Okay. Uh, apparently there's these are sugyas in Shmuel and in Divrahe Yomim. The Pasik says two episodes that happened. Okay. The first episode was this is talking about Davra Melech. The Davra Melech said the first episode is that the Pelishtim had made a large fortress and they had they were they had a field in front of them full of uh, uh, okay so in Shmuel it's lentils it's uh, it's adoshim and in and in Divrayam it's it's barley they have a field of barley or lentils different uh, versions okay and the pasuk says um, that one of the uh, warriors Shamai ben ben Chagai he went in and he rescued the the grain he broke in and rescued the grain okay so the first story is basically just breaking in to steal some grain. Fine. That's one story. There's a second story. The Pasuk then says there were three officers, and basically it says like this. David HaMelech uh, was saying that he wants water, so they broke into the Plishtim area to the well, took the water from the well, brought it back to David. David spilled it out, and he said, you thought that I would put your life in danger for this water? Chas v'shom. Okay, that, oh, so the Pasuk shot is there was actual water. The problem is, why is he spilling it out? So the Gemara understands over here that this was not water, it was Torah. The Davar Melech was bothered by a Shailah. He had a Halachic Shailah, and, there was a, the, 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 and the Sanhedrin was behind Plishti lines, or you had to cross Plishtim to get to the Sanhedrin. He obviously would not want them to put their lives in danger because it's not Pikuach Nefesh Taka Shailah. They went, and when they brought him back the water, he spilled it out because he wasn't happy that they put their life in danger. That, that, that's, that's the... That's the st- he the so to speak? Well, it doesn't that mean he the it means that he, he wasn't... Was upset, yeah. Okay, that's the, that seems to be the... Okay, fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, actually, the, the way the Gemara is going to explain when it says spilling out the water, it means that he refused to act the way they expected, meaning he did not follow the Psaq fully. Okay, let's go weiter. The Pasuk says, This is the second story. David was thirsty and said, If only someone would give me water from Beis Lechem. So three mighty warriors of David broke into the camps of the Pelishtim. And they brought him the water. Says the Gemara, Michael Miboile, what was the halachic shayla that was bothering? Meaning, we're understanding that what, what happened was it wasn't actually water. It was David Amelech wanted a halachic shayla to be asked of the Sanhedrin. What was the shayla? So the Gemara understands that that shayla is related to the field of lentils. How so? Amir Rava, Amir of Nachman, Tamun The case was that some soldiers had lit a fire in a, in a lentil field burned down stuff under the field. There was tamun, there was stuff hidden. And the question is, how do we paskin? Is tamun be'esh the halacha like Rav Yehuda or not like Rav Yehuda? And the answer what they answered. I guess according to this version, we don't know what they answered. But again, just tell me again, were the Rabbanon say what and Rav Yehuda says what? Rav Yehuda says that you're chayiv on tamun be'esh, the Rabbanon say So That was the shayla. Rav Huna has a different shot of what the Shiloh was that was bothering Tavra Melech. Gedishim desarim desarol hava. The case was there were stacks of barley belonging to Jews. To have metamri plishtim behu, and the plishtim were hidden in the barley, and they, they wanted to know, can they burn down the barley to kill the plishtim? Now obviously it's pikuach nefesh, of course you could. The question is, do you have to pay for it? 
That's the question. The question is, can I use your, your property to save myself and do I have to pay? So according to this, again, all of this is connecting those two stories of the barley field and the plishti field to the water because it's saying the shaila was related to the fields. Either the case was that there was a fire and they burned things hidden under the grain or according to this version, they were plishtim hiding under the grain and they want to know, can they burn down the field in order to smoke the plishtim out? Or do they have to pay for it? So the Gemara says, Shalchalei, the Sanhedrin, sent back the following Psaq. Normally it's not allowed. But, meaning, and if you do, you have to pay. You're the king. Do whatever you want. And to that, he spilled the water because he didn't, he did not, uh, he paid for it. He did not follow that, that heter. The Gemara continues, fine. A third shot of what the Shiloh was, That's the question. I mean, either you could burn it down if it's Pikuach Nefesh, there's no Shiloh. The Shiloh is, do you have to compensate? To that the answer is yes, but a Melech, it's like a, it's like Hefker Bezen Hefker. The Melech can do whatever he needs, deems fit. And to that, David Melech did not uh, follow that psak, meaning he 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 was machmer. The third answer is Rabbanavi The stacks of barley belong to the Jews. And the stacks of lentils. By the way, according to this, it's making the Divra Yom and the Shmuel work. It was lentils or, or, or barley. The answer is both. There were stacks of barley. That belonged to Jews. Lentils belonged to the plishtim. Here was the shaila. Can David Melech steal for his soldiers, steal the barley, and pay it back with the lentils? Mm-hmm. Meaning, are you allowed to steal if you plan on replacing it? I need it now. I'll steal the barley from my soldiers, and I'll give you uh, lentils instead. That was the shaila. So the Gemara says, I'm not for, not for the soldier, I'm sorry, for his animals. He wanted to steal the barley for his animals, his feed. And he'll replace what he stole with, with lentils of the plishtim. The response was, Although you're paying back, you're not allowed to steal with the intention of paying back. So normally it's Aser. But you're a king. Do whichever you please. And again, he spilled out the water by not being lenient. So I have these three different versions. We'll do one more minute and then we'll stop. And tomorrow we'll continue into this. I understand the last opinion. The last opinion is that the kashayla was, he's taking the barley and replacing it with what lentils. So that it's perfect. That's how you could reconcile that in Shmuel it says it was lentils. And in Divra Yomim it says So it's a contradiction. Was it barley or lentils? The answer is it was both. He was stealing the barley to replace it with lentils. Then it makes sense. But if you say that it was to burn the stacks down to smoke out the plishtim, why is it lentils or barley? Was it lentils or barley? The answer is both. They were plished him under lentils. They were plished him under barley. In Shmuel, it picked the lentils. And in Divrei Yom, it picked the barley. The answer is that it was a big shayla. The Gemara says, Very simple. Another answer, another back and forth. If you understand that he wanted to burn the stacks, the Pasuk says that he stood in the middle of the portion, saved it, meaning, although he got a heter to do it, he didn't do it. He saved it. But if you say that it was to exchange the barley for the plishti lentils, what do you mean to save it? You just didn't do it. What's a save? Save implies like you stopped the fire. 
But what would save? The answer is save means he didn't switch it up. I will stop here. We'll pick it up uh, tomorrow with uh, more of this. Right, sure. Look, that's also what happened for the moment.